hip-hop music. 24 hours a day. We play the hits. Other stations still have players to play. The one and only English-speaking station in Moscow. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Alan Moore, and welcome to Europe's number one English language radio sports show, Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. So if you want the very best news, reviews, previews and interviews, and of course views in the world of sports, do not change that channel. And remember, our experts got the UEFA Champions League final result right, so will they get the next destination of Lionel Messi right as well? More on that in part three. So listen, what tasty home-baked treats, because you have to finish everything that is home-baked because it's baked with love and from the heart, so you have to finish every little last morsel, even if you're not hungry. So what have we got in the menu for you? Well, we're going to go shortly to Andrew Flint to review this weekend's Russian Premier League action. We'll also look ahead to the start of the English Premier League season, because of course, yesterday, England kicked off officially with the community shield more of that and on we're going to go then in part two to paris in france to talk tour de france and some odd goings on in cyclist back pockets that is with france two's thierry vildary and in part three we're going to go to dublin to our legal legal easel cody she is going to tell us just what is harry's game and the tour de farce will also be joined again by andrew flint of course we'll have andy mac alex b and boz on because we're going to discuss where is Lionel Messi going to end up because of course we know he's leaving Barcelona and we'll also have the return of our big fat dirty quiz so listen that's the start and we're starting from the beginning and of course there are a couple of Russian Premier League games on right now Rostov are hosting uh, oh sorry I should say that um, uh, Krasnodar are hosting Rostov and Sochi are at home uh, my apologies to Oral it, and it is halftime of both games they are both nil-nil a big bearing on that Sochi game because of course Sochi are sitting quite pretty in the table ok now of course there were midweek round of matches in the Premier League this uh, past week a mixed bag for Moscow Himki drew 1-1 in Tula Spartak beat Rotter 1-0 Siska drew 1-1 in Krasnodar Dinamo shocked Zenit 1-0 and Loco Elapsed to lose 3-2 at home to Ahmed Grozny. Now, yesterday, Spartak went top of the table with a win over Arsenal Tula. They won 2-1. Hinky drew 1-1 with bottom side Rotor. That was a real basement battle. Both of them are, well, uh, Sochi fifth, uh, sorry, Hinky in 15th and Rotter in 16th. Dinamo drew 1-1 in Ufa and a little bit earlier, Loco drew 0-0 at home to Zenit. Was out there training this course this morning with the Moscow Shamrocks. And just a few minutes ago, the Ahmad Siska game finished up. And um, to give Give us the result of that. Of course, we have Mr. Andrew Flint. Andrew, our man in Siberia, a very warm welcome to the show. Um, pleasure to be on as always. Um, how are you doing tonight, Alan? Listen, I, I, I was kind of a bit um, dehydrated because I was moving around time zones this week, as you know quite well. I was out your neck <laughs> of the woods, but uh, I've gotten back into it and I'm kind of feeling a little bit better. So, listen, uh, that yeah. game earlier on, um, it was it was an early goal from Siska and then they, it was a rough L game though, wasn't it? A lot of yellow cards. Well, yeah, I mean, when you go to when you go to Grozny, the Akhmat Arena, it's never it's, it's, it's a classic cliche of Russian football, but it is a difficult place to go. They have some extremely physical players, and at the break, Bernard Barisha, their winger, who is known for his physicality, shall we say, um, <laughs> he said, "Look, we've we've got to control the play more. We've got to get it away from the middle because to have quick players." He focused on the word quick. He didn't focus on the word physical, um, but. Siska ran out, 3-0 winners, and um, 
And more importantly, almost, you could say, they had three debutants. Um, Bruno Fuchs, the Brazilian centre-back, uh, came on. Um, and uh, back to yours, Zainuddinov, he also made his debut. And right near the end, um, Ejuke, the, the big-name signing from Dutch football, the Nigerian winger, came on as well. Uh, and it finished 3-0. Um, Nikola Vlasic with an absolute belter in added time. Um, so, yeah, a comfortable win in the end. So, well done, Cisco. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a little bit better because we were worried about it last week because he saw, you know, they were having... You know, they were kind of having difficulties getting like closing out matches, but they've you know, they've signed some very, very good players like Adolfo Reichs, for example, the Argentine international. They spent a lot of money uh, in the last little while, though, haven't they? Yeah. Well, they certainly have. They've uh, spent over 25 million euros, which for them is unprecedented. And there was a stage, I believe, about about 12 months ago when they hadn't spent a single transfer fee for the previous two or three transfer windows. But they have come to... I believe, as my understanding is, they've come to the end of a financial fair play inspection period. So what happened five years ago is now chalked off for the next period of assessment. Plus, they have signed a whole load of sponsorship deals. They have six sponsors on the front of their shirts, for example, uh, new title sponsors. So they certainly are making significant moves in the financial and transfer areas. And so far, it seems to be paying off. Looking at the uh, the, the jerseys, of course, they look kind of everyone's making fun of them because it's kind of like something from the the uh, early 2000s or late 90s here in Moscow where there's just like so many <laughs> you know sponsors everywhere it, it, it looks terrible um looking at the table Andrew before we look at anything else um Spartak top of the table surprisingly kind of on 14 uh points Zenit a point back uh Sochi surprising us all they could leapfrog Zenit if they win tonight uh, they're on 11 points Dinamo in fourth place on 11 points as well Siska are one point back in fifth. Now, Loco are down in eighth position. They've won two, drawn two, lost two. They've got eight points, but still a, a positive goal difference. And of course, Himki, the trouble club, they are down in 15th position on three points. Mm. Um, is this a season of rebuilding for Loco? Because we know that they're going to be without Barry Knopf for some time. He went off and had his um, operation. Uh, Alexei Miranchuk, as you rightly said, is going to go to Atalanta, 15 million euros, the, um, the the, the 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 amount that has been agreed between the clubs, L- local could have it a bit tough, can't they? Wouldn't they? Yeah, I have to say so. Um, I mean, there is one positive in a way uh, because Alexei Miranchuk going to Syria is a huge, huge boost for Russian football, in my opinion. Because how many times Alan, have we seen talented Russian players who have either slightly missed the boat or not made the most of their their trip to Europe? You know, the 1990s was the glory days, I guess, of Russian players going to Spain in particular, but but all over the place. But um, Miranchuk is 24 years old. He's just about to hit his prime, but he's already got a vast amount of experience. He's got experience in European football. He's he's the golden boy, effectively. He's the most marketable asset the Russian football has. I think Atalanta have absolutely stolen him for 15 million euros. But aside from that, another plus point for Loco, if you want to find a silver lining in the cloud, is that his twin brother Anton now has more room to shine. Uh, you've got Francois Carmen out wide, who's come in. You've got Rifat Gemaletdinov, who can play out wide, of course. We've got Anton Milanchuk. I think Loco won't be completely lost without Alexei. Of course, they'll miss his quality. But they have the tools to rebuild. But it is rebuilding, as you say, certainly. 
Okay, uh, looking at that as well because we're, we're, he's, he's going to move abroad. Of course, he, he missed last game with uh, the injury that, of course, he, he, we know that he went off with uh, last week. Um, he's played 178 matches in the Premier League. He scored 32 goals. This season, he was on fire before he got his injury. Um, do you think that, the, you know, that this is the step that he needs then to move up to, uh, let's just say, a a, you know, a really, really top club, the likes of Inter, Juve, for example, in Italy, or maybe one of the top teams in Germany, like Bayern, or you know, one of the top clubs in England. Well, I think this is literally. I think this is the perfect move for him because it's ambitious. I mean, Atalanta are—they've proven that they are now quality in the Champions League, despite what Mr. Agnelli might have said at the beginning of the season. Um, they play a very in innovative brand of football. They're very technical. They score a lot of goals. They're an upwardly mobile club, but they, there is still room for improvement. If he does well at Atalanta, uh, we're, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. He's got to prove himself and get in the team first. But if he does, and if he does well, there's a springboard to better, uh, to an even better opportunity. And had he been snapped up at the height of his hype by, for example, uh, Borussia Dortmund, he may have well got swallowed in the size of the club. Whereas Atalanta, he's got room to grow. And I think he hopefully will show his quality and will get that chance to go to an even bigger club. But Atalanta is big as it is. So I think this is win-win. Now, of course, the Russian Premier League will be on break for a couple of weeks back uh, the weekend of the 13th of September. Um, as it's sitting right now, do you think that Spartak could actually be reasonable challengers this year or do you think that Zenit are going to refine their form? Because Zenit have wobble. I mean, they had a bad old you know, mm. week down in Moscow. I mean, getting battered. I mean, people were like, Zenit were kind of like showing a bit of, uh, well, not showing a bit. They were very sour over losing to Dinamo, saying that they were, you know, Dinamo were playing a rugby, <laughs> you know, a rugby style and so on. But the way <laughs> yeah, I see, exactly. You know, Zenit always have to have a reason. They're like, they're the kind of Spartak of the North. They always have to have a reason to lose. Um, <laughs> but then they, they dropped those two points today against Loco. Um, do you think that maybe that the, the, the title race is a little bit more open than we give credit for? I certainly think it is. And I, I wasn't surprised in the slightest to see their performance today against Loco because they were very conservative. It was, I have to be honest, it was one of the most boring games of the weekend, and which suited Loco far more than it did. So it, well, in fact, it suited both of them. Because I think Zenit thought, wow, we're not used to losing. They hadn't lost in, what, 19 games beforehand in the Russian Premier League. So they needed to take stock. They needed just to say, well, let's put the brakes on. Locomotive are arguably their best challengers. They finished runners-up the last two years. Um, but it was a sort of performance that made you think we have to start respecting other teams now. Because if we just go gung-ho every single game, it's, not, it's no longer going to go our way every time. So I do think there is a title race on. I still think Zanita are the favourites because they are still comfortably the best team in the country. They, you don't suddenly become worse after two games. But I will say in Spartak's favour, for the club that they are, with the reputation of disruption and disharmony that they have, they have a coach who showed a huge amount of passion after beating Arsenal Tula 2-1 at home. It's not exactly the most groundbreaking result, but my word, he was fired up. And okay. he's got a system that is working well. 
Okay, that is uh, that is fair enough. Uh, Andrew, listen. Of course, the, the the week or sorry, the two week break is because of the international calendar. Uh, Russia playing Serbia at home at the Dinamo Stadium, Lev Yashin Stadium, ten forty five local time on Thursday, and then they're away in the Pushkas Arena out in Budapest against Hungary. That is next Sunday at eight o'clock. Of course, we'll be covering that the second half of that game live here on the show. Um, this is this a chance for Russia to show their chops? Because I mean, there is a bit of discord in the team right now, isn't there? Because uh, Sobolev wasn't picked because of the conflict with uh, Juba. So, are, are, are Russia realistically looking at six points out of this round, or these two rounds, or you know, would four points or maybe even three points be good? Well, they've got to respect an opponent like Serbia, um, but I do think Serbia is an aging side. They should be beating them. They should be looking for six points. Hungary have been in in dire straits for a long time at an international level. Uh, I was speaking to a Hungarian journalist yesterday who said there is there's literally no hope, no ambition, no faith in their national team at the moment. So that has to be a, a three points that Russia has to be looking at. Um, and I do th- I agree, I think this is a good chance for a statement because Serbia and Turkey certainly are the two strongest sides um, in Group 3, of the Nations League that Russia are in. Um, Serbia at home, you've got to start off with a statement. And I think that's why Chichetsov has gone for his tried and trusted lieutenants, the experience side, because he thinks, you know, I need to get the win. I need to go with what I know. I'm disappointed with the squad selection overall, but we'll see. Okay, listen, um, of course, the English Premier League or the English season officially kicked off yesterday with Arsenal beating Liverpool on penalties 5-4 in the uh, FA Charity Shield or Community Shield. Um, Andrew, listen, who do you think, first of all, let's start with relegation. Who are your three tips to be booted out of the Premier League at the end of, well, <laughs> assuming the season ends in May next year, who, who is going down oh, yes. in, in, in uh, your point of view? Uh, well, I mean, it sounds a little bit boring, but I mean, the promoted sides are always going to be under the spotlight for this, of course, aren't they? I think Leeds are the best set to stay up of the three. So I think West Brom, um, they they haven't made any huge signings in the transfer market so far. And unless you do, you're fighting a losing battle already. Uh, Fulham were a basket case last time they came up, and I have very little faith in them either, I'm afraid. So for me, those two um, leads. I I have my own personal dislike for them because of my allegiance to Manchester United. But mm-hmm. I think they're going to be great for the Premier League. So I think they will survive. And of course, they have Marcelo Bielsa in charge. So um, they have every chance there. So for me, the third place it, it's very hard to call. Crystal Palace for me have been leading a bit of a charmed life. And I think if Wilfried Zaha leaves, then I would worry for their for their safety. Okay. Um, I also think that West Ham could be dragged down into that as well if they don't cop on to themselves. Um, and also, yeah. as you mentioned, Leeds just broke their transfer record to get in, you know, a really, really good quality player. So, you know, they do look like uh, they're going to like hang in there. Okay. The top three in the table come the end of the season, Andrew. <laughs> Oh, God, I, I didn't. I wasn't looking forward to this part. There is no avoiding the fact that um, Liverpool and Manchester City are a two levels above almost everybody else in the Premier League. And to compound that as well, Chelsea have made an unbelievable amount of signings who are really quite terrifying prospects. Um, so for title, I can't look past Liverpool just simply because I do believe they are the best side in the country. Um, they're a settled side. They 
for, for quite some time. They've trusted Jurgen Klopp's system. Uh, there's no need to fix something that isn't broke. Manchester City, well, they have, again, they have unbelievable resources with Riyad Mahrez, who doesn't necessarily start every single game. And they just spent £40 million on a defender that may not even be first choice in Nathan Ake. So it's very hard to look past them for second. I know it's not original, but there's a reason why it's not original, because they're so far ahead. Um, third place, it, it really is anybody's game. Chelsea are looking very strong. Hakim Ziyech, Timo Werner, um, Thiago Silva in defence. They really are looking very, very strong. But we said that so many times before with Chelsea, and they flattered to deceive. So I think it's between Chelsea uh, and, and Manchester United for third place. Spurs, I just think they're, they're a step back. Uh, at the moment they don't quite have the depth so Manchester United and Chelsea for third for me Okay and who could be a surprise would you reckon that could be maybe shake up the top three that were, were kind of maybe not overlooked but could have uh, do well I can't say a lesser city but basically have a bit of a run Um it's an interesting one, really. Sheffield United last season were pretty much everybody's favourite second team. They played such an, a, a, a strange brand of football, in a way, but one that nobody was expecting, and for that reason it worked. Their, their centre-backs are capable of carrying the ball out of defence very well. Um, and Chris Wilder, for me, was... Well, I, I would I, I, I would be my vote for manager of the season. So Sheffield United are not no longer a surprise, in one sense, but how far they can improve on where they finished last season is is going to be interesting. I think them and Wolverhampton Wanderers are two very dangerous sides. Wolves having a taste of Europe and with considerable quality in that side in midfield in particular. I think okay. Sheffield United and Wolves would be the ones to watch. Okay, listen, Andrew, thank you very, very much. We'll be back with you uh, later on the show, of course. Uh, okay, folks, we're going out to the break right now. Come back with Thierry Villery of France 2 Channel. And uh, we're going to leave you away to, you know, plus 795 You can call us if you want. And maybe Carly Ray Jepsen will, because this is Carly Ray Jepsen. And call me, baby, back. Call me, maybe, back after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you forgive me that little slip of the old tongue. It is the false teeth falling out on me. I don't have false teeth, but it's nice to say that. Uh, of course, it was Carly Ray Jepsen and Call Me. Maybe not Call Me Baby. I think that was a Freudian slip, maybe. Who knows? Um, I'd have caught someone... Well, doesn't matter let's go on right of course folks one of the great things of every year and every summer of course is Le Tour the Tour de France the cycling race that when you sit home and watch it, I remember from childhood and just these beautiful beautiful panoramic views of the French countryside not always France of course sometimes it was in different countries um this year is completely in France because, especially with uh, COVID, started down in Nice this year. It'll be running until the 20th of September. There is a wee bit of Russian interest there. Riding for Team CCC, of course, is our old favourite Ilnur Zakarin. And the youngster Pavel Sivakov is riding for Team Ineos Grenadiers. Long story, let's not start there, okay? So, um, already we've had a French winner, and there's a Frenchman in yellow, because, of course, the leader wears a yellow jersey. is Julien Alaphilippe. Uh, he won the stage today in Nice, and it was kind of a little bit of a hilly or kind of light mountain stage, okay? So he is now top of the table. Ireland, of course, have a few riders there as well. Sam Bennett is in fourth place uh, in the points classification. That's kind of mainly for sprints and high finishing. And Nicholas Roach, the son of the great Stephen Roach, he is in sixth in the mountains classification. Um, team uh, Great Britain, sorry, not Team GB. Britain's uh, Adam Yates is in second overall in the general classification. Now, of course, before the tour happened, of course, we were watching some strange races going on, especially the tour of Lombardy. And um, one of the really you know, terrific riders rides with uh, De Kunic Quickstep. Um, Quickstep or someone who was involved for the, the longest time, or Mappy Quickstep and so on and so forth before. Remco Evenpool, he is a Dutch rider and he went over the side of a bridge. Now when you see it, he's coming around a bend uh, turning to his left. He kind of hits the wall and f- like falls over the side. It could have been terrible. He landed on his feet and got injured. Now as he was lying there on the ground, the team sports director, uh, David Bramati, uh, for De Kunic, he came over and took something out of the rider's back pocket and put it into his own. Now, the um, the UCI, the, who uh, look after cycling, international, international cycling, they're lo- they've launched an investigation into it, we believe. But there's a lot being said about what it went, what was in his pocket. What did he take out? Was it something illegal? Why would, when a rider is lying, you know, basically unconscious on the ground and falling off a bridge, you know, could have been a lot worse than just a few cuts and bruises, he chooses to take something out of the guy's back pocket. Now, here to answer that and also to speak about the Tour de France and also his part in the great Lawrence Armstrong story, because a lot we've covered this before with him, is Thierry Villeri. Thierry, a very warm welcome, or I should say bonsoir. 
Bonsoir. How are you? Very How good. is the view in Moscow? Is it uh, so so nice as uh, as the French Riviera? Um, it it's a uh, pas mal, I'd say, not bad here. Like <laughs> pas mal, not, not too bad. <laughs> exactly. Thierry, the last time we, we phoned you, of course, it was right before lockdown uh, hit us uh, overall in Europe. And you're, you, you were, you're always brilliant with us. And you took the call in a restaurant. You were having a lovely romantic meal with your wife. Um, of course, French cuisine, second only to Irish. Uh, but you were having, I hope it's an Irish pub, actually. But anyway, uh, you were having your, your meal and you came on and started coughing and said, it's coronavirus. And after, yeah. we, we were, we, we, like, people laughed and messaged me and said that was just such a funny opening. I just pray yes, to God you did not get coronavirus. You've been safe, you've been healthy? I, I've been, I've been in good health, and uh, I'm in good health, and, uh, and my family too, my wife too, and I'm just, uh, on my sofa watching my favorite, uh, sports magazine program, which is Stabde. Oh. Uh, I'm working for, of you know, course. now. Okay, so listen, um, the Tour de France, can you just tell us how big is that in the French sporting calendar? Oh, how big is it? Uh, it's for every French uh, sportsman, it's, it's um, every year, it, it means the beginning of the summer and uh, the, the holidays are coming because it starts every year in June. And uh, that's what it means for us. And it means also uh, some souvenirs. When we were, when we all were young, we had some big souvenirs about uh, Tour de France on the radio, on the TV, on the road uh, for some uh, of us. And uh, now it's very strange because it's uh, the, the summer is on our back, and uh, we we start uh, we start to back to, to uh, we are back to uh, to the work and it's autumn and you saw you saw it yesterday that uh, it was very very cold with a lot of rain it's more tour de france in uh, in great britain now than in in the french riviera and um, but it's uh, it's like tour eiffel it's like arc de triomphe because uh, uh, the, the, the French government and I saw the organization made uh, uh, a big deal together to organize and to allow the, the, the Tour de France uh, to start this year. You understand? Of course. And, you know, for, for me, I mentioned just uh, before you came on when I was introducing you that for me, because, of course, we had uh, that history of cycling in Ireland and all these riders coming from Ireland from uh, Stephen Roach, Sean Kelly, uh, Martin Early, Paul Kimmage, like, and that period, and of course before, but like before my time, I should say. So for me, it was like an integral part of my summer. I would come home to watch the closing of every stage. Um, yes. Do you think that the fact that it is at this time when, you know, they're going to go up into mountains uh, quite soon, I think it's in there in Caser, uh, in on the 5th of September, and then they're in Paul, of course, as well. Do you think that the weather is going to play a bit of a part in, in those mountain stages especially? Yes, I think so, because uh, um, one part of my family is living in the Alps now, and they just sent me around uh, 1,000 meters of altitude, okay? Yep. And they just sent me a picture this morning with snow. Oh, no. You know? 
So it means that there is great, great risk uh, about the weather in the next days. Even if the, the, the course of this tour this year it seems uh, very nice, uh, get, uh, is a very nice design with a lot of mountain and maybe a lot of uh, big suspense. But the weather and the COVID are two big dangers over this, uh, this 2020 uh, Tour de France. Um, th- th- this is something that I've been hearing from everybody. Um, what, what, like, let's, let's, let's go on to some of the riders. Um, again, Bernal, of course, from Team Ineos, uh, the, he is the defending champion looking to win a second one. Uh, there was a lot of scandal. Well, I can't say scandal. It was very uh, understandable. Um, when Ineos didn't pick, uh, the former, uh, world, uh, tour winner from 2018, Garant Thomas from Wales. And of course, the four time winner, Chris Froome. Um, do you think that, has that taken away from the tour or it's actually better not to have those two uh, Ross Beeps there with you? I think uh, I think that uh, Dave Bracefraud is a very smart manager very intelligent and uh, also he knows very well sports I'm not uh, all time uh, full time uh, agree with him with uh, all what uh, what uh, what happened in the in the sky team, but uh, uh, he's very smart and very intelligent uh, guy. He know very well uh, what is storytelling also, and I think for a new team like Ineos, uh, I think it's better to to go further with a new guy with a big 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 talent like uh, like the, the the last winner and uh, with uh, Egan, Egan Bernal. And I think that uh, uh, Froome and Geraint Thomas, um, they are the past, yeah. you know. And uh, I think uh, Bernal is uh, maybe one, two or three level over there. Uh, and th- there is maybe one or two riders that can follow and, or, or can struggle with, uh, with uh, Egan Bernal in the peloton. Maybe, uh, maybe Pinot, maybe the French Pinot at, mm-hmm. his, at his best. And uh, maybe maybe uh, Nibali or the big guys like that. Okay, so uh, like, uh, so basically, I don't I don't talk about the, I don't talk about the jumbo because uh, for me uh, the jumbo guys are very strong, but uh, for me it's uh, another story. Okay, <laughs> well, listen, let's let's <laughs> let's move on to something. Um, I've got two fine little pieces to speak with you about. The first one, of course, I mentioned at the top of the show was uh, Remco, and just what was in his yes. pocket. Listen, th- th- for me. When I saw that afterwards, when I saw the crash, I was in shock. And then when I saw Bramati, you know, taking mm. something out of his pocket, what, what was going on there? What could he have taken out of his pocket? What do you, do you believe was in uh, that injured cyclist's pocket? Did you did you read? Uh, did you saw what I published on Twitter this week about this? <laughs> I did, and I saw the criticism as well from some of the it, cyclists. You know. It's amazing story because all what you read on Twitter, uh, it's only uh, uh, the top of the of the mountain, you know. Because at first, um, one of my friends, journalists, uh, gets an alert, an alert, an alarm by a, a sport director, a big sport director, a big uh, a big coach in cycling. They say, "Hey, did you look this video? Can you tell me what?" Uh, he took in his pocket. 
it's not coming from the 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 the, the source is not coming from uh, journalists okay at first okay it means that some guys some big guys in the platform uh, um, are asking asking themselves about what happened because they say we didn't have something like that in our in the back of uh, our riders okay second um the 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 David Brachi was contacted by um, a, a colleague, an Italian colleague. At first, he, he didn't answer. Five hours later, he answered on the phone and he said, oh, I don't remember what it was. Maybe uh, a bar, uh, maybe uh, a drink. Uh, I don't remember, yeah. you know. But when, when you look at the footage uh, live, you see that uh, Davide Bramati go straight to Remco Evnepoul and he took precisely in his pocket uh, what he took. Yeah. is a thing like parallelipipedic uh, thing, you know? Yeah. And after that, after that, um, my colleague Marco Bonarigo from the Corriere della Sera, he, he asked quick step, what, what was it? And they say, they said that first uh, this morning, they said that it was, uh, they said that yesterday, it was, uh, uh, we say in Italian, borracino, which is uh, like the, 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 the final, final flask. Oh, you know, a, for a, the last a, a finished bottle, something to drink to give a little bit of a kick <laughs> of energy. Yeah, finished bottle. But they said, it, what was inside, it was uh, Red Bull, and uh, some caffeine and maybe some other things, <laughs> which is amazing to hear <laughs> that, you know? <laughs> I mean, Did you hear that before that they, 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 they put caffeine in the drink for the last kilometer to the, to the riders? Uh, amazing. And after that, they said also, we, we know that uh, there was a problem with, uh, with Remco because we, we didn't have, uh, we lost his localization provided by Velon on, uh, on, in our car. Oh. But a suspicion is that Velon didn't give any data on the Lombardia uh, race. So uh, why, why if, if it's right, we have to, to, to check it. But if it's right, why did they say that? And from where did come is, uh, this data? This geolocalization position, geoposition. Okay. So, okay. Because the suspicion is that these things that uh, Davide Bramati took in the in the pocket of Franco Evenpool is maybe a 4G modem. Oh. And it's forbidden by UCI. Because that could okay, that could be picking up say uh, information from other teams and so on and so forth. So this is like and. You know, listen. Okay, look, we we don't have to, to to dig into that, but I want to move on um, quickly to to one more thing. But again, that's something we will come back to because Thierry, this there's so much to talk about on this. But I want to first um, ask you about uh, you took part of course in the thirty for thirty, the ESPN um, documentary on Lars Armstrong, which I watched. I thought that they they didn't give you enough time. That's uh, my opinion. Um, it's very short. Very yeah, short. It was very, very short. I think this man can say an awful lot more. Someone said to me, okay, someone who's very, very well uh, inside in cycling and sort of has great knowledge of cycling, said that the thing that uh, they're afraid of, that they didn't want to bring up, is the fact that um, it wasn't just the drugs, 
Maybe it actually was just a bike. But what was inside the bike, which you discussed this before, that it was a motor inside the bike that actually helped Lance Armstrong dominate. Yeah. You know, um, I, 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 put one, I, I put one question in, during my interview for, for this documentary. Uh, I, I, I said, uh, I tell one question to uh, the, the ex-sport uh, director of uh, Lance Armstrong, that I forget his name now, but, uh, and I say, you said that it was impossible that Lance get uh, use a motor on his bike. But can you say to me why it was impossible? <laughs> can you say to me that it was not possible? Because I know it was uh, 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 scientifically possible. So I don't tell now that Lance get a motor on his bike. I have some suspicions. Okay, clearly. But uh, uh, nobody can tell me that it was impossible. And they, they, cut, they, 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 they cut that uh, for in the documentary because maybe there was a strong deal between Lance and the producers yeah, uh, for talking him for for to to get him talking inside this this documentary, and uh, maybe in the deal it was okay. I talk about drugs, but I don't talk about motors. No, uh, that's that's what that's what surprised me because of course it was Johan Brunil, of course, was his uh, sport director, who was of course a band as well. But yeah. there was there was so much, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was so much to dig in there, and I felt that I don't know, folks. If you want to watch it, it's just called Lance. It's a very good documentary. I I recommend everyone to watch it. Thierry, thank you. I could speak with you all night. I know our listeners love having you on. So listen, we're going to get you back on in a couple of weeks when uh, it's at the yeah. uh, let's say the final stages of the sort the, the tour. Yeah, okay, no problem. Okay. Many kisses. Thank you very, very much. And listen, stay safe and enjoy the show this evening that you watch on TV. On Stade Thank you. Okay, that was Thierry Vildaris. Folks, we're going to get to the break right now and then we're going to come back with Isol Cody. And of course, then we have our, well, let's just say our gang of five will be on us for the big, fat, dirty quiz of the week. Right, we're going to go out with uh, Robbie Williams and Kylie Minogue. This is Kids Back After This. Sports with Alan Moore. 
ladies and gentlemen to the final part of our show this evening I hope you enjoyed Thierry because of course the Tour de France as I said it is on I think it's on your sport here so do have a look at it we'll keep you up informed with it because it is definitely definitely worth a watch it is a lot of fun you know it's a great way if, you, if you're uh, working from home maybe you can just have it on in the background and you'll feel you're on holidays of course it's a little bit of uh, schnockte as we say in Ireland or snieg as we say here I just realised that in Irish it's Snyakta and here it's Snyag. Okay, there you go. Um, yeah, so basically that you can watch it in the background as you do your work. Right, uh, a quick update from the Russian Premier League, the two games this evening. It's 1-1 Krasnodar Rostov and it is still scoreless down in Sochi. So those games on the south coast in Krasnodar Cry, actually both of them, they are both uh, draws right now. Now we're going to go to Isol Cody in just one moment. We're going to speak about Harry Maguire because, of course, last week we sort of prefaced it or we sort of put it into the frame of what was happening with, uh, well, with him and his arrest in Greece and also how the English media would be reacting if it was, for example, Raheem Sterling, uh, who they seem to have a bone to pick with for whatever reason. Of course, we realise it is because of the colour of his skin. But also then um, we also looked at like, what was going to happen next. And, of course, lots of things have been happening next. He gave a kind of a Lady Diana character. Uh, crash interview to Dan Rowan, a friend of the show, of course, who was with us before, the BBC Sports Editor, and uh, it didn't go off too well for him, so we're going to go straight over to our Legal Legal in Dublin, Isolt. Cody, Isolt, can you hear me? Isolt, can you hear me? No? There's no Isolt. Okay, we're going to try to get Isolt on the line, but basically uh, that uh, the story was simply that... Um, the uh, Well, the situation was he gave this interview basically saying that he was upset because his sister had been attacked, uh, that it was um, like that there was a lot of going on and that he didn't really mean to, uh, let's just say, um, fight with other people. Uh, of course, he was beating up the police and so on and so forth. So, you know, there was a lot going on. Now, we can't seem to get Isil Cody on the line. So, um, if I can get Andy Mack. So, Andrew McLean, if you can hear me loud and clear. If you could just give us a quick rundown on that situation with uh, Harry Maguire and what took place and especially that interview with Dan Rowan. Andy Mack, you'll have to speak up. Can you hear me? Perfect, loud and clear, buddy. Away you go. 
Um, yeah, so he was having a, a, a large party of some kind um, into the tens of thousands of pounds spent at a bar. He was with, it seems, uh, his sister, some friends, uh, when um, two Albanian people allegedly came up to his sister and injected her uh, with something. Allegedly uh, injected? Had, allegedly? Yes, I, I did say allegedly. <laughs> okay. Um, she apparently passed out and uh, Harry Maguire and a number of others, uh, one person in particular, reacted. Apparently two plain clothed, uh, clothed police officers then got involved. Uh, he was arrested, but that wasn't before he, um, again, allegedly uh, attempted to bribe them to, to make it all go away. And also, um, it's, it would seem him and Harry Maguire and his friend also turned violent against them. Um, but... Yeah, uh, in terms of that, in the interview, he said he feared for his life. Um, if he, I mean, if he didn't know who they are, I mean, this is the thing that gets me. Either he was in Mykonos for a bit of fun with the handcuffs, or surely the handcuffs are a bit of a giveaway that you're being arrested. Um, I don't know what kind of party he thought he was having. But, um, yeah, he, he said he feared for his life um, and that he was very sorry to fans and everything. So, clearly, he knows he's done something very wrong. The bribery, whether it's true, is um, exceptionally bad. Uh, and in Greece, I mean, he's, very, he's a very, very lucky man. Uh, in Greece, if you turn violent against police, it's a serious criminal offence. So he's lucky to just have a, a, a suspended um, sentence. Um, listen, do you think that he should be? There was talk, of course, uh, last week that he would be stripped of the uh, United Captaincy. Do you think that that's, that's uh, fair enough? Um, yes, I, I, I think so. I, I think... Um, if that had happened under a certain manager that um, preceded Oli Gunn and a number of others and was very successful at Manchester United, I don't think he would have um, accepted any sort of behaviour like that and he would be probably yap-stammed out the club before he knew it. I mean, listen, looking at it in, in all fairness, Andrew, um, OK, we're going to move on like fairly quickly from this, uh, but... Do you think a lot of this is being made out? Is he is he being held up to a sort of um, a higher standard than say other players who might have had a few babies too many? Um, I don't think they had a few babies too many and then attacked the police in a foreign country. Um, so I mean, there, there is a line. Yes, you can have a bit of fun party, and obviously they're in the media spotlight. Um, so the attention is going to get drawn to, to any misbehaviour, Balotelli esque or not. But I mean. I think there's a line when you are attacking and then attempting to bribe police officers. It, it certainly doesn't look good on Harry Maguire, first and foremost, and the club itself as well. OK. Listen, uh, we're going to park that there for the moment or uh, put it into handcuffs and throw it into a jail cell, what uh, maybe should have ha happened to Harry Maguire. Uh, listen, I'm going to start off with you, Andrew. Um, who do you think Messi should go to and give me two reasons why? Andrew? Uh, Andy, sorry, Andy. You mean me? Yes, I do indeed. <laughs> Andrew McLean, take it away. Um, okay, I'm going to say Inter Milan. And there is only one reason why. It's because there's a certain Cristiano Ronaldo there who has been given a, suspend, a suspended sentence for tax dodging. Lionel Messi has been given the same and in Italy has the lowest tax for football players. Okay, so... Okay, it's fair enough. And of course, they have like a lot of Chinese money. Uh, okay, I'm going to call. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that that's the way it works. And 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 his agent as well. I mean, his former agent when he was 12, when he moved to Barcelona, has already said he's made his mind up on Inter. Apparently. 
Okay. All right. We're going to go straight away to Derek. Derek, um, you're on the line right now. Andy, stay there because, of course, we have the quiz in just a couple of minutes. Derek, who should Messi move to and why? Give me two reasons. Derek, are you on the line? Can you hear me? No, Derek is asleep. Okay, we're going to go straight away to Toronto to Alex B. Alex B, uh, tell us, who should Messi go to and why? Well, good morning. Um, I think Messi Messi should go to to Juventus because I just think there would be a massive fu to the world of sports, <laughs> and I'd like to see it happen. Okay, I like, that's the best thing for. Her. All right, um, okay, Andrew Flint, who should he go to and why? Well, I mean, obviously, he should go to the biggest club in the world because you know Barcelona is a small little fishing village, so he should come to Manchester United. And um, I'll tell you why. For and genuinely, for one very good reason, it would be a challenge for him. There's no point in him continuing to play football and going to a ready-made championship winning side Manchester United have got something to prove but there is a framework for a young quick side around him uh, and secondly because Ed Woodward is not the most skilled of negotiators he could probably negotiate an absolutely obscene contract so I think it's win-win for him Okay uh, Derek you are now on with us so uh, who should yeah. we go to and why tell us two reasons Well I think uh, for me I feel he can do good at PSG because first of all PSG is probably one of the clubs that has the money to to be able to get him and give him. I mean, they're, they're, they're rich clubs, so he would easily they would easily pay that money. And also, I feel they have this relationship. He has this relationship with Neymar, so probably joining with Neymar would be a cool thing for him. And I mean, the money and Neymar, so basically, those are the reasons why I feel oh. PSG is. A- is on for you. Okay, that would be an awesome lineup with Mbappe and Messi and Neymar. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, of course, there was a mention that Zenith could be there as well, but I mean, that would just take a lot of money. So, look, all right. So, um, quickly, overall, I'm going to ask you all one more time very, very quickly. We can't, of course, get East Salts, but um, and Andy Max, starting with you, who would you put your money on of all the teams we've discussed today? Because there's also Man City in the mix. Um, I'd stick my money on New Newell's old boys in Argentina. 16 to 1. Heard it here first. All right. Alex, who would you reckon, Alex B? Alex B. I said Juventus, but that's before I knew Zenit was in the mix. I'm going to Zenit. Nice one. Andrew Flint, who do you reckon he'll go to? I think he's going to Manchester, but I don't think it actually will be United. I think it'll be City. Okay. Derek, uh, you're sticking with PSG or you want to change your bet? PSG. I'm sticking with PSG. All right. Okay, folks, we're going to start off our quiz right now. And we're going to start off with uh, Derek. So, Derek, you're there, so stay with me. Okay. Derek, uh, first question. All right. Um, I want you to tell me the family name of the heavyweight boxing champion, okay? So I'm just going to Trevor, and then you have to give me the answer. So, okay. So, Trevor. Uh, I, I know this one. Uh, actually, no, then you're incorrect because the, it's Trevor Burbick. Guys, should we give him another go? I just want the family name. Guys, Andy Mack, what do you reckon? Your decision. Should we give Derek another go? Yeah, give him another go. All right. Definitely. <laughs> okay, all right, we will. Okay, um, okay, just the family name. Don't say anything else. So, Lennox. Derek, you've gone silent. Uh, um, 
Lennox Boy. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, sorry, <laughs> we missed him. Okay, uh, go straight to Andy Mac. Andy Mac, Vitali Lewis. <laughs> no, Vitali. Uh, Andy, you got that. that. No, listen, <laughs> I'm going to give you another one. Okay, go on, Vitali Mutko. <laughs> no, Jesus Christ, Marty. Okay, <laughs> go to Alex B. Alex B. <laughs> Evander. Alex, Evander. Yeah, one second. All right, Vander Holyfield. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I hope you weren't licking up or break your fingers, right? Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, Andrew Flint, Larry Holmes. Very good. Okay, you had. Are you actually okay? I want you to give me okay the missing word. Okay, uh, we're back to you, Derek. So um, the okay, the, 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 the back with you. Okay, so I don't like. Oh wait, no, hold on, this. I don't like watching matches on blank. So what is in that blank? On CNN? No, it's actually on Facebook. So, okay, you didn't get that one. Okay. It's actually, I don't like watching matches on Facebook. That was on the RT website. It's like Carlo Dwyer saying he doesn't like watching games uh, because of this in Ireland. Okay. Uh, Andy Mack, over to you. It's all a load of... Scrotums. Okay. No. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> Almost. It was the Chicago Sun Times. <laughs> okay. Um, who have we got? Oh, God. Alex B. Please keep this clean. Uh, Djok- Djokovic. Djokovic assists new men's player body is. New men's body is what? I'm going to have a hurry up, quick. Three, two, one. Okay, it's not a union because, of course, he is making a tennis player's union. Alex, you let me down that one, but you're still leading by it. You're on one point. And, uh, okay, um, they want to tie me what and hurt me? They want to tie me. This is for you, Andrew Flint. They want to tie me what and hurt me? Oh. No, it's actually down, and it's Lionel Messi's um, quote. <laughs> they want to tie me down and hurt me. Yeah, so there you go. You thought it was 50 shades of grey or 40 shades of red. Right, very, very last uh, one, okay? Very, very quickly, okay, starting off with Derek. Okay, uh, first time of yours for Russia, the European Championships, was it 1992 or 1996? 96. Very good, one point. Well done, you're on the board. Okay, uh, yeah. to Andy Mack, Andy Mack. Who did Russia beat in 2004? Was it Portugal or Greece? Uh, did, did they only play one game in 2004? No, no, no. They played, well, three games. Quick, I'm going to have to hurry you. Uh, Portugal or Greece? Portugal. Wrong, Greece. Okay, uh, down to Alex B. Alex B. In 2012, third place, Greece, okay? So, oh, wait, no, no, hold on, here we go. Okay, despite topping a group in 2016, or who topped Russia's group in 2016? Was it Wales or England? Wales or England? Alex B? Okay, the answer is Wales. Okay, and finally, Andrew Flint. Who is the top scorer for Russia in European Championships? Is it Pavlichenko or uh, uh, Zagoev? 
I'm going to go for Pavlichenko. Very good. And actually, you've won the quiz tonight with a paltry two points. Well, you got two, uh, two correct. <laughs> right, so Andrew, you are the reigning champion, folks. I'm going to say goodbye to the boys this evening. Thank you for the uh, call. We're going to go out right now because we're almost running out of time, almost completely. Uh, we're going to go out with a... St- Look, when you're having fun... You don't want to talk. You just want to shut up and dance. So we're going to say goodbye to you. We'll be back, of course, next week, same time on the same channel. I'm Alan Moore, and this is Walk the Moon, Walk the Moon even, and Shut Up and Dance. Back next week. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Oh, don't you dare look back. Just keep